negation. So in a way, what can work here is a negation of what seems to be happening. You just you start looking at what's happening, and then you see that it's not happening to you, yeah. And it's in that negation that there's a when there's an absence of you, there's a presence. There's a sense of presence. The presence of what you would call you. But that only comes when the you that's actively being promoted by the mental process is absent. And the whole point is, it's inherently absent. Because there isn't one, yeah? So it's inherently absent, so the presence is always available at all times. It doesn't seem to be so for many people, but the possibility is that it's always available at all times because the absence of you is an absolute, really. There has never been a you. There never is going to be a you, you know? There's never been a structured you. So the feeling here is that you can have an experience of its absence, but there's very rarely the feeling of the state of its absence, yeah? But when you have an experience of its absence, that's like a free sample of the state of its absence. Yeah? Because the feeling of your presence is an activity of mind. Selfing, yeah? The selfing... And then it leaps from the selfing to a self, yeah? There's a transfer at one point where there's the selfing, and then there's the feeling of the one who's selfing, yeah? Or the feeling of the one who's being, that the selfing's driving crazy. Like a lot of people share with me their understanding, and it's like the selfing is really driving me crazy now. The feeling of being a you being driven crazy by the selfing is the product of the selfing. The selfing isn't driving you crazy. The feeling that there's a you being driven crazy is the product of the selfing. When there's not a clear seeing of what's happening, that's how it's interpreted. That's why how what's happening is interpreted. It's happening to me. That's how it is. Yeah? It's just like very, very, every time there's a verb, it implies a noun to our conditional mind. Yeah? So when it sees seeing, it can't really entertain seeing. It has to feel there's a seer. When there's doing, there's got to be a doer. There's someone's doing this, yeah? And if you can't pin it on you or someone else, you pin it on an abstract concept called God, God's doing it, or it's God's will. Somehow there's a noun that's ish that all the verbing is issuing forth from, yeah? On a, on a small scale, my life, it's me. On a big scale, you could say it's God, yeah? But in a feeling of life, there's a, just a sense of, Everything is verbing. Yeah? So, yes, there is an action, but why is there the implied sense of, the, of an actor? That, I believe, is a leap. Yeah? Like, so, Lord Buddha was supposedly said that, uh, was supposedly said, purported to have said, that um, events happen, deeds are done, but there's no individual doer thereof. Yeah? So, there is manifestation, obviously. Things are happening. But the, the story that they're happening to me or to you is is a leap. Yeah? And so I would say the verb is, is noted and then the mental process decides to describe the verbing with a noun in it. Yeah? And so now it tells a story about living as someone who's living. Yeah? And all the people that have been living. And so the living itself gets unnoted, and now the emphasis is on the interpretation of the living, 
which has now been nouns have been inserted everywhere. Yeah. So one of the first movements is when you were a kid. I'm sure there was no sense that you were seeing. There was just seeing. Yeah. That's why if you see kids like a dog, you know, we're at the beach and you throw a ball to a Labrador, you can throw it for 18 hours. Every time the Labrador runs after that ball, it's like the first time. It's not like, oh, I'm fucking bored of this, you know, I've done this 30 times, you know, let's do something else. Throw something else, you know, no, that dog will keep going, on, you know, unless you are, until your arm falls off. And same thing with a little kid. If you hang out with a little kid and you hide and then go, woo, and the kid goes, ah, and you can do that 30, 40, 50 times, and it gets the same, it provokes the same response. But to adults, everyone gets bored, yeah. Because it, what really makes it boring isn't that it's been happening over and over again, it's been happening to you over and over again. The interpretation of the you, yeah. The kid doesn't have that. It's not happening to it. It's happening, and it's just, yeah, yeah. The dog, it's just happening, happening, happening. But for us, it's not just happening anymore. It's happening to me. And then when it's happening to me, every time something happens, it looks like the same old, same old in some way or another. Yeah. So boredom starts arising. When you were a kid, I wasn't bored. Maybe when I got older, six and seven, eight, maybe. But when I was two to four, I wasn't bored. Yeah. It was just... I mean, I remember when I was uh, kindergarten and first, you know, about right before kindergarten and into kindergarten, I played like two and a half years with Wayne Griffith at this apple tree in my backyard, and we may have had 28 plastic soldiers together. And we just played every day, hours, hours, you know, just fascinating, <laughs> you know. I mean, my mother would call us in, his mother would call to get eaten, and we'd come back out and do something else, you know. But it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, faggot, doing this playing with these soldiers every day, you know? No, it was just like, because your imagination, your openness, your alertness in life was bringing the joy of it. But as soon as I know starts setting in, as soon as your head starts thinking, I know, first of all, it's the biggest deterrent to learning. When I'm working with anyone and they start saying, I know, I go, no, you don't know. Because if you knew, there would be a, there would be an easing comfort in your presentation. Right now, there's a huge contraction. You don't know. So the sense of I know. <laughs> this has happened to me before. Yeah? I can't entertain it as something new, because it seems to have been happened to me before. And the, the tarnish is off, basically. Yeah? There's no... There's no shine on it because it's already ha I've had this happened to me. I've done gone here plenty of times. I've seen sunsets galore, you know. Traveled all around the world. I slept with all these babes, whatever. I've fucking done everything. But in fact, well, there was never a you that was doing any of it. And that's real. The joy is, is when there isn't a you that's doing it. Then there's just the awareness of what's happening. Yeah. There's a real joy in that. There's a real lightness to that. I mean. The what's happening is happening, so there's nothing you need to do to add on to that. But the interpretation, yeah, the interpretation could be edited quite a lot. The emphasis on the interpretation, if you lose interest, and I found in my own life that when I entertain I wasn't this idea of Paul, I started to lose interest in all the things about Paul. Yeah. As long as I had that interest in Paul, 
no matter what Paul was doing. If he was giving something up, it was all about Paul. If he was doing something, it was all about Paul. If, it, if he abstained from doing something, it was all about Paul. You know? It didn't matter if I gave up possessions or had possessions. It really fucking didn't matter because Paul was right in there. But when I lost interest, when I, entertained, when I started to see that life isn't about Paul, there was a freedom in Paul's absence. You know? I sensed that presence. Unfortunately, what happens with a lot of minds is the mind senses the absence of itself and then rises up as in the selfing and claims it and says, oh, I had this incredible spiritual experience yesterday. No, you didn't. <laughs> you weren't anywhere near the, the scene of the crime. Yeah? It's, it's just a narration, which is always a day late and, you know, it's always after the fact. But it actually will claim its own absence. I mean, that's a huge speed bump, uh, bump for selfing. When selfing runs into an epiphany and there's a long stretch of quote-unquote time that it's absent, for it to cover that up is an amazing feat of uh, persistence, yeah? For it to arise and have the balls to claim its own absence by saying, I, Paul, just had this incredible epiphany is really staggering, yeah? And for it to, get, for it to pull it off is unbelievable how it can reassert itself all the time. And, I mean, it can have a very, very long period of absence, and yet it can still come up and reassert itself. As long as there's a belief, oh, yeah, Paul had it. As soon as Paul had the epiphany, he's probably not going to have one for a while. <laughs> it's going to have to be put on his little spiritual mantle, and he'll be thinking about it. And he'll actually use the absence of that, which had nothing to do with it, as, as, a, as a catalyst for suffering. Because now we'll have a mythical moment that it wasn't even in, and it will compare every other moment with it and find it lacking. Yeah? No, so life is such a flat now since I came back from the epiphany. <laughs> I really got, I've been working really hard to try to get back there. It seems really difficult. I can't seem to find my way. Of course you can. Because there isn't a way. Yeah. It's just your absence. And the absence is, like I said, very simple because it, it is inherently absent. It's not like you have to it's not like you have to move something that's in the space. It's not there. That's the beauty of the message. It's actually an imaginary problem, the activity of selfing. Because the activity of selfing is manifesting, but what it implies is a little addition. The idea of being the one who's doing the selfie or having it done too. That 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 isn't that has a possibility of not being so. Yeah? Why? Because it's not so. It's an amazing possibility when mind can entertain it. You may have a couple of experiences of its absence, but in that experience it can expand into a, a state of realizing it has never been present. There was never a Paul to be absent. There's just absence of Paul. That's basically the state of mind. In the state of mind, there's a mental process that's selfing, that's catching some attention and interest to amplify it, and then there's a feeling, by being identified as this, there's a feeling of being a noun, yes? But if what illuminates that and lets it rise above what's actually going on is the interest and attention being wedded to it, the slavery of your interest and attention. 
And I found the interest and attention goes to whatever you believe you are. If you're taking yourself to be that, your interest and attention is going to light that up. It's going to illuminate it. It gives it its technicolor. It gives it its Panavision. Yeah? It's the actually the audience that's making the movie so good. The movie isn't that good at all. It's fucking old. It just goes over the same old, same old. It's constantly in a state of anxiety. It's going to lose what it has and not get what it wants. Or someone else is going to get what it wants. Yeah. It's, it's nothing's new. It just goes on and on and on and on. But it seems so juicy because it has the interest and attention of mind. Yeah. I found why it has it is because it's believed to be about me. If that can that me can be questioned, the interest and attention leave, leaves that object, that false object, that noun, and now is able to be distributed to wherever it's going to go. Yeah, it becomes like free-range interest and attention. Yeah, it's not enslaved to having everything be seen as pertaining to you all fucking day, which is a really a hard. That is a lot of work to suck all this stuff into being about you. is unbelievable. It's like being an incredible Hoover vacuum, you know, just sucking. Yeah, it's a bad deal all around. <laughs> but the thing is, why it's beautiful double clause, so to speak, is self can't get out of self. So if it is, if the root of it is identification as, and your mind is under that influence, then your wanting to get out of it is a form of being in it. See, that's the second little dairy thing that I wasn't being told about. People were talking about this and that, but I didn't see... The, the second little lock, which is you're identified yeah, as a self, and self can't get out of self. So no matter how much you seek for the relief, that's, the relief that seems to be an imperative, you're basically destined to fail because self can't get out of itself. So when I'm trying to get out of self is just another form of being in self. You know, let's say if you sign up for a two-year class about studying about the obsession with self, that could be seen as obsession with self, yeah. While you're studying about getting out of self, that would, could be a form of being in self. And the more you study about getting out of self, it's actually the more you're in self. You can't be in self, but I mean the feeling, the interpretation of a life as being in self, that claustrophobic contraction, yeah. Which is always an imperative to seek relief, yeah. You have a dominant desire to get out of what you think you're in, yes? You have a dominant push to get out of what you think you're in. The thing is, if you're not actually in it, then get, trying to get out of it would be being in it, yeah? If... But the same principle applies. It's not you that's addicted to it. But not, of course. It has to be seen. If it's just understood, it won't work. But you have to see it. In a sense, this is an absolute principle. There's no point where it gets conditional down the line. There is not a you. 
So when there's, a, there's an addiction of mind to being special and it's suffering and pain, there's no you involved in that. The you is part of the addiction, the feeling of being a you. Yeah? A part of an addiction is the you that's addicted. You have to see they're both interpreted. Yeah? There's not a you that's addicted and the addiction's an interpretation. The you that's addicted is the interpretation. They're both sides of it. What I'm saying is, I wouldn't question what's happening to you so much, but to look at the you that it's happening to. Because if the you that it's happening to is really the primary addiction, because whatever you've ever been addicted to, it's been you addicted to it. So the primary addiction has addictions and gets over addictions and then has quote-unquote problems and gets relief from problems, but the inherent problem is acting out constantly because the mind is under the illusion of being a separate, long-lasting, independent entity. It's, it's in a structure of its own making and it's taking it to be organic. And so from this point of view, it looks like, and it's very hard not to have it look like, that things are happening to you. You're the one who's addicted. You're the one, there's part of me that really, you know, is addicted to this pain. There's no part of you that's addicted to the pain. There's mind addicted to the pain. But there's never been a part of you that's ever been addicted to anything. The feeling that there's a part of me is the addiction. That's the primary addiction to selfing. Yeah? Everything else is trying to get relief from the primary addiction. That's why I did a, one of those YouTube things. I said, you know, everyone's recovering from something. So most addictions are actually the conditional mind's solution to an inherent problem of unease, which is being totally obsessed with self. And that obsession with self is, is an afterproduct of the identification as self. The obsession with self wouldn't have so much flavor unless you thought it was about you. I swear to God. I do not feel the flavor of someone else's obsession with self when they share it with me. No matter how articulate they are, they can't shoot me up with how they feel about it. I can't get it. You know, I'm sitting there, I go, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's not happening. There's your solution. But see, when what's not happening seems to be happening to me, it seems to be fucking happening. Yeah, that's it. But when something's happening to you, it may not seem to be happening to me. I have immunity to it. Why? Because it's not about me. So the me is almost like has that, uh, the gravitational pull, and then things come and go, yeah? But it doesn't matter if it has the pull of the moon or Mars, it's the pull that's the, the, the bondage, yeah? It can have different planets come in and out, but this, the pull of the planet to revolve around you, the pull, the pull of these topics of life to constantly revolve around you, that's the bonding. It's not what addiction it is, it's the addictive quality, yeah? It can, it can switch. I've seen it in recovery. People stop drinking and then they start getting into porno or something. Or then they shop for wallets, which some people in this room are. And then uh, you start suffering from... It's not suffering, but the mind's addictive. It's going, going, oh yeah. You sort of like... You fill one, one little groove, there's another groove. Because the urge isn't, isn't uh, caused by the groove. The urge is the momentum to push into the groove. That urge, that's addictive to self. The mind's addiction to being a self. Being addicted to that, then there's a lot of consequences that needs relief. And so now, 
From here you move to the conditional idea of you, and so now you look outside yourself to get relief from the primary addiction, without any idea what the primary addiction is. Very rarely is it taken back to identification as self. Very rarely. It's always about something is bothering me. The me is very rarely questioned, but all the some things that can bother me get questioned. And you become, and then everyone gets to be professors of knowledge about what bothers people. But what about the peopleness of it? What about the sense of being the individual entity? You don't, you don't see that is the cause. That's the, that's the pulsation. That's the pulsation. And it doesn't matter if it's clothed in white or in leather jackets and tattoos. It's still pulsing. Selfing, 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 and the feeling, the heartbeat of it's, uh, it's me, yes. these are my feelings. Let's say, like today, we did this the other day, let's say uh, I live in a house, and every day, like 300 books are delivered to my house, yeah? 300 books. So the books come in, and every time the door rings, there's someone with a book, and I go, oh, that's my book, and I claim the book. So now I have 350 books. And what am I going to do with them? i got to build shelves. i got to get boxes. And the next day, 350 more. Next day, 350 more. And there's every day, 350 books come. And every time I meet a new book, there's a sense it's my book. Oh, this is my book, yeah? I ha and so as soon as I take ownership, what do I, I have to do something seemingly about the book. Before, when it was a book, hey, you know, it's a book. It's your book. Who cares? Now it's my book. All right, so now I don't have a living room anymore. It's just full of boxes. I have books and shelves and trying to go on eBay and sell them. No one wants my books. You know what I mean? They have plenty of their own books. And so this is what's happening all day. You're having feelings, and the way they're entertained is it's you having the feeling. So every feeling gets claimed by the mental process. Every thought that you're aware of, but many of them you're not, but the ones that you're aware of are held as I'm the thinker of them which is claiming the thoughts, yeah? So now all those thoughts are your thoughts, yeah? All the feelings that get produced by whatever stimuli the apparatus runs into is being claimed as your feelings. This is like all day life, all these things are moving to hopefully go through us, but when, we're in, when we meet them as this, we claim them. I'm the thinker of these thoughts. We can't even shit when we want. But the mind can't even shit when it wants. I mean, I was on trains to India, and the last thing I wanted to sh do was shit, and I had a shit. I mean, I had a dump, and I didn't want to go into that bathroom in the train. It was fucking unbelievable. But I had to go. But here, you're sitting here every day with things you can't even see, you can't even weigh them, thoughts, and you're in the relationship to them as the thinker of them. Yet you can't even control your bodily functions, and then a brain function that's much more subtle, you're thinking, you're claiming every one of the products of that system. These are my thoughts. These are my feelings. As soon as the my occurs, what happens? That feeling, <laughs> the stimulation of that feeling is long gone, and now tons of meaning is put into it, and a story is written around it, yes? All as means to reflect the self. This is how a self has a life. It claims living. Every thought, every feeling, these are my opinions. They're very valuable because they're my opinions. Hey, you fucking stepped on my opinion. I don't like your opinion. 
and on and on. It goes on and on and on. And it never ends. You don't have one day that you just have a thousand thoughts. They say 70,000 thoughts a day. Let's say you're aware of 1,000 thoughts. That's 7,000 thoughts a week. Yeah? That's like how many? 28,000 a month. That's 800,000 thoughts that you've claimed during this year. What have you done with them? You've got to store them somewhere. You become like a storage unit. And when it gets overwhelming, you try to dump it on other people. But they're busily trying to dump their refuse on you. Yeah? And everyone's dumping and dumping. It's like using nuclear energy and not knowing what to do with all the spent fuel. That's what's happening. Our ability to process life as a noun sucks. As a verb, you can go with life. You can see life is happening. As a noun, you see it as it's happening to you. That's claiming every fucking thing that happens. Yeah? It's overwhelming. You got it. What are you going to do? Disassociate, distract, get loaded, deny, watch TV, do something, because it just keeps coming. It is not, you never get a break. You go on a vacation, you're having every thought you have in there about where you, you live, like New Jersey, you're claiming them. You go back to New Jersey, the thoughts you have in Hawaii, you're trying to claim they make up a story. Yeah? Make up a memory to ease the pain of being in New Jersey. Claiming, 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 claiming. What allows that activity to constantly happen is the idea of being a self. That's, that's like, how can, what part of the water of a river claims the rest of the river? What part of the water in the river claims the rest of the river? We're like a part of the water, but we stop and make an island and say, I'm a noun and I know this. This is a river. This is my river. This is my property. My, my, yeah? Unbelievable. As soon as that happens, all that stuff is, you've got to do something with it. You're totally overwhelmed. Processing. Instead of seeing life is happening, seeing like you're one element of water in this huge flush of water, you're now thinking it's all happening to you. Why is this water going by me so fast? Yeah? Why is it hitting them and not me? What, yeah? It's like we used to say, you put a rock in water, in like a stream, you put a rock there. As soon as you put a rock in the stream, the currents of the stream change. Because now, they've got to go around this rock, this noun, this object, yes? And then certain currents and eddies form around the rock. And then leaves that were rushing down the river get caught in this thing, and they start coagulating around the rock. And then shit starts building up around the rock. And then stagnancy can occur around the rock. So there's no more flow, f fluid movement. And now the leaf, and then you don't even see the reflective surface of the water. Now leaves are on it. You don't even see, there's no ability to reflect. It's been covered over by all the debris that's picked up around the rock. Now is it the, is it the water's fault? Obviously not. It's the rock. If you took the rock out, the water would correct itself and just keep streaming. Yeah? This is like what's happening in life. Life is happening. But we put ourselves as a fixed reference, and now it's happening to us. And then, obviously, energy on a lot of levels, gross level, like manifestation, shit happens to you, and other energies, starts coagulating around you. And you bemoan the situation, and you don't want it to happen, but you're actually the cause of it, or the mind is, because it's taking the role of being this rock. The verb has to move around it, where before it would just move. Yeah? 
that's exactly what happens with thoughts and feelings. If you're not a noun, they move through you. They don't have to go around you. They don't revolve around you. There's no orbit set up. Yes? There's no gravitational pull. Things come and they go. A feeling is registered. You see the attempt of mind to claim it. You recognize that. And that's not you. The claiming goes, but it has no oomph. And it just gets all swept away in the movement of living. Manifesting. Being. Yes? It's a verb. It's a way to travel here. And it's called traveling lighter. It's very difficult to pull off barnacles from an object, yeah? But if you didn't have the object, the barnacles wouldn't be able to anchor. Yeah? But if you're, uh, if you're creating the surface for something to attach itself to, and you start, then there's the story about bitching about what's attaching to the surface, you have to see the role that's being played. If you're not the surface, then the barnacles can't attach. They're super incredibly difficult to get off a surface yeah? when they bond on. But without a surface, that ability to totally adhere isn't available. Mind is fluid. It's not a thing. Its quality is empty, yes? Its nature is empty, really, and its quality is to reflect. It's like the surface of that water. It reflects what's ever happening. When we become a noun and that water and those currents get stifled and stagnated, then all this shit that we can't process, all these old ideas and beliefs cover the surface, and now the mind can't reflect nothing anymore. It just reflects something all day. It's called the claustrophobicness of selfing. It's the, self, it's the loop of self-importance. Your mind, every time it, there's, your attention goes out, it hits an object and goes back and hits another object. Instead of going through and through, it just hits bing, 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 everything I met. But one thing, it's always the one that meets. Bing, 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 bing. It gets a million hits. Millions of hits all day. Bing, 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 yeah? What would happen if that attention, because it is a mirror awareness, and in this place, it's almost, you could say it's a two-sided mirror. One side is attending to things. Yes. Yeah. The other attention goes back and unfortunately gets claimed by a seeming thing. But its nature is to go right through nothingness. Yes. So you have the flavor of nothingness while there's the act of seeing things. Yeah. You can travel lighter in this place because your attention is at that very renewable resource, yeah? constantly going into emptiness. But it hit, if it hits a thing and goes to thing and hits a thing and goes to thing, this is what they call the self of the loop of self-importance. It's like a noose. You have that sense of claustrophobia, a sense of disease and discomfort, an imperative to seek relief. Yet you can't put your finger on what's causing it that huge drive. But you can tell there must be a drive if there's tons of seeking. Yes? You may not be able to see what's happening, quote-unquote, inside, but if you're acting, looking, always looking, 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 well, something is driving that seeking. There must be some belief or some sense of dis-ease that's causing you to be on the lookout for relief. Yeah? They don't go separately. One begets the other. Yeah? 
So if you have satisfaction, I'll tell you, a lot of your drives out here shift because they're built on your, the belief in dissatisfaction. If there's a sense of satisfaction, things chill out, or as my friend says, chillax. You just chillax, because, and it's not you chillaxing, it's just an effect of the mind coming out of that mental yogic posture of self. It's just one of the many effects that will sh be shown here in time. It has to translate here, which is a place of time, so you'll see the effects of what the mind's entertaining. Just like you were living the effects of what the mind was entertaining before. Yeah. It's always been mind. Like, look at this. Look at the space here. It's mind-boggling, isn't it? It's just incredible. It has so much oomph by not being seen. Because <laughs> I really believe what mind's doing all the while we're looking at everything and thinking and all this supposedly is seeing nothing. That's its nature. Seeing nothing. All the time. And that seeing nothing is ever present when you're looking at something. It's always present. Because that's what that's the inherent nature of mind is seeing nothing. The beautiful thing is it doesn't have anything to do with Michelle. Michelle could never do that. Michelle could never sense the seeing nothing while it was looking for something. But the solution is Michelle doesn't need to ever do that. It's just seeing there is no Michelle as it's taken to be, and then the qualities that are ever present become available but not to you. They just become available, yeah. And you'll see them as they come out. Yeah? It'll, it'll dawn on you as you're traveling. Hey, uh. So any questions today? My feet got very warm up here. Today. Yeah? So that, just the idea of non-duality is a negation, yes? When it says, like, in Buddhism, they would bring it into a triple negation. It's, Buddha supposedly said, it's not existence nor non-existence, yes? It's not being or non-being. It's not this nor that. So they negate both, yeah? So it's, it's not self nor is it non-self. It's attempting to bring you to a land that's not a land, an unconceptual field, yeah? That's endlessly streaming. So that the mind can sense its own nature before being conceptualized and formatted, yeah? Because it's very difficult for it, as when it's already been conceptualized and formatted, to entertain it, yeah? Because when it's, it's, it's already been conceptualized and formatted, it will try to entertain it as a concept, as a self. And so it can never get back to its nature as a foreign nature, yeah? It's realizing it's not the foreign nature, and then its own nature will bleed through. Start sensing the qualities of mind. Not reading about them, you'll sense it. You'll sense it happening in your life, and that's a real incredible form of knowledge, because it's it's brought about by I don't know, and then you find out, and the finding out is very very convincing. It can withstand the winds and the shit around this place, really. Yeah? It's a very very convincing knowledge. It's like an unspoken yes, an anchor locks in. And then there's no turning back. Yeah. So in a sense it's uh, 
actual nature, which is not thingness, which is what I mean when I give you consciousness, awareness, emptiness of self. But so, you know, once you get a sense of that, everything else, even though you're not trying to make sense of it, but everything else fits, it makes sense if you do. So it's that the fact that wherever I am, I'm not me. I'm not meant to concept. I'm not to be described or named. And the reason it's so hard to realize is because it assumes the form of whatever it sees or thinks about. You know, like my awareness or whatever, wherever I am, if I see you, you know, it assumes the form of that. Wherever I see, if I concentrate on my thoughts, it assumes the form of that. So it can never have a look at itself, if you will, a sense of itself, really. And that's, you know, the problem. But it isn't really. If you really got that, that would liberate you, that it can't get a sense of itself. How about having intimation of it? Intimation of it. I like going the back door, though, that it's not about realizing your nature. It's by seeing what you're not or telling the truth about this activity that implies a false nature, like putting the quality of life onto a body. You know what I mean? I'm conscious as a body when obviously consciousness is not of a thing. You know what I mean? When it seemed to be not this, that would be the recognition of my real nature. So I like to put it as when I'm seeing what I'm not, that's what I am. It's the seeing of what I'm not, that's what I am. If I wasn't here, there wouldn't be any realization of what I was because I'd be that old. But here, where there can be an identification of what you're not, you can have a realization of what you are by seeing what you're not, to my view. I don't believe you can have a realization of seeing what you are. Maybe some people can, but usually if you think you see what you are, it's been claimed by what you're not. So it sort of neuters that free sample. I like the back doorway where I see that I'm not that, and I get it the back doorway. Hey, I'm seeing what I'm not, and it's the seeing of what I'm not that I am. That's seeing. Not there's a seer. There's no seer. But the seeing of what I'm not is what I am. Or the seeing of what I am is the seeing of what I'm not. You can put it a lot of ways. But, you know, I'm trying to get a flavor, of course. It's the seeing of what I'm not. There's no thing, I don't have, there's no turning around to see what I am again. Because seeing what I'm not is what I am. I am the absence of what I'm not. And the inherent absence of what I'm not is an absolute, actually. So basically the state is an absolute state of what you are by realizing the absolute state of your own absence. Then it ensures that the absolute state of presence is available. I like it that way. It works better that way. It's the same, same. But one way has a little bit of a detour where I've seen with myself and others where there's a claiming of the nature of, quote-unquote, your own nature by the activity of what you're not. And it sort of does a weird thing with it then. It sort of neuters it in a way. And then people start thinking they're awake and others aren't. And it creates an exclusionary thing. Like, I'm something and you're not. And it's really weird to me. This is much cleaner, you know? Much cleaner. Yes, I'm not that. What? That's exactly. Exactly. Well, it's essential for you to lose it. Because that's the way you felt like you got it, right? 
to feel like you got something, there's got there's a sense of losing it, yeah? It's always in the mix, because it's a dualistic thing. But if it's not yours, there's, like, if I don't have something, I can't lose it, yeah? <laughs> it's such a beautiful, like, uh, back-end run around the, the usual football, the positioning of the ball on the field of duality. You run it, it's like getting out the back way, which is, you just see what you're not, and that's that. There's nothing, because... There's no, you don't turn around to see, oh, now I'm seeing what I am. No. You're the seeing of both, yeah? Seeing what you're not and seeing what you am is the same seeing, yeah? But it's, to me, it's clearer when I'm seeing what I'm not. It's just clear. That's the way it works for me. It's just clearer. Because this is a constant message. Because every-
Not two would almost in a sense signify nothing. Yeah? It's not two, it's nothing. So that nothing is exactly that, no thing. But when we entertain it in our conditional way of mind, it makes it into something, which is now I'm going to a non-duality meeting. As if non-duality is something. When it isn't something, it's nothing. Yeah? At best, it's a negation of something we're taking to be so, which is a way of looking yeah? that's structured by a split mind when the mind becomes not just subject, but subject-object. From that subject-object, it geometrically progresses to things, yes? Yes, no, high, low, good, bad, this, that. thinks has a flavor. It's much different when it's unbridled to that form of thinking mind. Yeah? The mind unbridled to that way of thinking is fluid. It's very wide open. Yeah? It's not resting anywhere. It's totally really all at all times everywhere. Yeah? Now the mind in this one mental stream of self-centeredness becomes an imaginary object that everything else is given direction from. Yeah? So now I'm looking at life as it's happening to me. It's an incredibly skewed way of looking at life. Yeah? That look at life as if it's happening to you is you're missing a broad aspect of life when it gets vacuumed into this one point of view called it's happening to me. Yeah? They're both mind. One is mind uh, defined by a conditioning, yeah? and the other is mind undefined by the conditioning. Yeah? It's not like it's in a different condition, it's unconditioned. Yeah? Sort of, it's not like this structure and then there's a great spiritual structure. No, there's just structure, self-centeredness in the sense, a way of looking, and then unstructured mind, which is more like free-range mind, yeah? All and no things are possible. All's open. Yeah? This can leak into the conditional aspect of mind and, and produce an incredible influence on it. The conditional aspect of mind can never influence that aspect of mind. Because the one conditional aspect is happening within the wider context of that mind, but has no effect on it whatsoever. That's why the solution is always available at all times. Because the problem is imaginary. So the effects, no matter how real they may seem to me as an appearance, have no reality to the aspect of mind that I am. Yeah? None. When all is said and done, with all the huffing and puffing, it will be like nothing ever happened in that one aspect of mind. Because in that aspect of mind, the larger aspect of mind, nothing actually has happened. Yeah. 
It's in this aspect of mind that seems like a lot of things are happening. But we can't even hold on to what's happened. The best we can do is make memories of it, but even those memories can't conjure it back up. Yeah? And while the memories are being held, they just shift and morph. <laughs> and you, know, you know what I mean? It's sort of like the picture you thought you captured of that event has changed dramatically. It's like its development stage never, it never becomes a solid picture. It just keeps developing in weird ways. When the little conditional mind wants to be right, it's a different memory. When it wants to be wrong, it's a different memory. <laughs> the mind uses it for whatever purpose it wants. To do what? I guess to reinforce and keep the story on going. But there's no way it can capture whatever happened because, in fact, it never actually happened. Yeah. That's why I love that it's an imaginary problem because that's the only solution there could be that could work. Yeah. If it was a real problem, it would be really hard to make it unreal. I swear, we tried it for drugs and alcohol and everything like that. I was trying to make what was unreal unreal and it made it as real as it could fucking be in my head. <laughs> the more unreal I tried to make it, the realer it got. Yeah? I never saw the logic that was behind that, that I was giving it life by trying to extinguish it. I fucking put it, it went bob over my head. I just couldn't believe it when it dawned on me. It was a mind mother fucking event. <laughs> I realized, Jesus, my approach of trying to get away from it gave it life. <laughs> the, the farther I got away, the bigger the shadow. <laughs> I was <laughs> getting up. <laughs> I mean, it was incredible. The more I ran, the bigger the shadow. <laughs> an imaginary problem given a quote-unquote seeming reality by you believing it. Yeah? By you giving it weight, it threatens you with that weight. <laughs> you give it all the reality it has. You give it all the meaning it has. Yeah? To work under that preconditional condition condition of being identified as a self, it's just basically you're trying to get like to a place in hell that's one degrees cooler, really, you know, or maybe you get a little hillside villa in hell, so you can see other people suffering worse and go, oh, doing much better than they are, you know, whatever it may be, that somehow the mind gets to make something totally unbearable seem to be somewhat fucking okay. <laughs> As soon as there was the entertaining of it, I swear, I don't know what the fuck happened, but something really shifted. Just by a minor change of a calibration or something, the mind, uh, one little click, it moved, and a big something, the emphasis of its intention shifted from this one little focus point of reference of body and me to like a wider lens. And then it still saw the body in me, yeah? But it wasn't a, like a, 
It's like when you're obsessed or identified as self, it's like you're looking at everything with a magnifying glass, yeah? But you don't realize the magnification is going this way. This is getting magnified, not what you're looking at. So let's say you're really studying those thoughts, yeah? The thoughts, the mag it looks like you're really attending to that, but it really magnifies the you that's having the thoughts, yeah? So every time it claims anything, which that's his modus operandi, right? The conditional mind identified here as a something, it gets all that relevance by claiming. First the body, yes, and then every one of the bodily functions and the brain functions. I'm the thinker, I'm the shitter, I'm this, I'm that, it's my life, I'm the doer of every action, I'm an island unto myself, it's all about my willpower, I could have been better if I really wanted to, and why don't I want to be better, I must be really evil and bad, all this fucking baloney, yes? But all the time, every time anything is claimed, and that intention and interest goes to that, it reflects a huge amount of an interest and attention back to the one who's the thinker, the one who's the doer, yeah? And that attention triggers all of these ideas you have. I remember when I got introduced to a guru, I was like 19, I had never known anything about spirituality. I knew Catholicism, yes? Yet when I met this guy, I had thousands and thousands of ideas and thoughts about how spirituality should be. How I should be, how the guru should be, how the followers should be. I mean, unbelievable. Thousands and thousands of judgments and rationalizations, yes? And so something that maybe could have had the possibility of being a really enjoyable, let's say, activity, became excruciatingly important, yeah? And then I, of course, was caught in that really funky formula that the Lord of the Universe, I don't like the Lord of the Universe. And that was sort of like, I must be fucking bad as hell not to like the Lord of the Universe. It just was a weird, I couldn't get out of that Chinese, you know, thumb torture. Yeah. He's the Lord of the Universe. All these people said it. My girlfriend's totally devoted to him. Sees him, she runs up, jumps through fences to get there in front, and totally idolizes this guy. Tons of dosh, you know, in their, his physical presence going through all these things. And I'm like, fucking, who is this Jamoke? You know what I mean? I don't feel anything from the guy. What does that make me? Fucking unbelievable. It was like throwing a giant bone to a big freaking dog. It just chewed it, chewed it for five years. And I was that bone being chewed up. It was excruciating. I wanted to kill the guy. I swear to God. I wanted to hit him with like a time delay dart. Because he was in a motorcade. I was at this big festival in Orlando, Florida. I'd gone away for years, but I started still having those pangs of remorse of leaving the Lord of the Universe. So I went back to the seven-day festival, and my only security was I had a vial of Coke. I had like a, a blue jean, like overalls, and in the, one of those thinny pockets there, I had a vial of Coke, which was like my rosary. Like every day I felt, this doesn't go my way, I can just do some Coke, you know. And I was doing service and everything, and then he'd drive around the field every day in this open-air convertible, and I'd sit there, I said, Jesus Christ, i got to kill this guy, i got to get out of here. And I said, if I hit him with a time delay dart, no one would see it. And 50 yards down the motorcade, he'd drop. And there'd be no way they could get it back to me. I'd be fucking scot-free. I wouldn't have to think about this shit anymore. Yeah? This was torture. It's unbelievable. How does that happen? 
How does someone who's never met anything, yet when meeting it, has thousands and thousands of ideas about it? Yeah? That just go off like a popcorn maker, with, and it just continually goes off. There was a point in, my, in this life that I must have been, I don't know when I was, six or something. From that point on, the most dominant thing that was going on every time anything was going on was the story about what was going on in my head. My, in, my interest and attention was so up the ass of self, it was like this had the, loud, the loudest voice of anything. It was just, and I couldn't, it was like I couldn't, Every, every, the smallest little move had, was dissected and analyzed and judged and, you know, I was in like a courtroom constantly and I was always being convicted of fucking something. And there was no possibility of even parole. You know what I mean? It was just, it was hell. Literally a mental realm of hell. Yeah? And I was talking to one of my guys today and the, one of the greatest freedom is the absence of that. Like, in my day, I don't think I had many thoughts at all today. And the ones I had, had no, the volume was turned way down. And it's been fixed to that position. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's sort of like an echo from a canyon or something. And yet, there's so much going on, and the going on was the joy of it. Just going on, going on, going on. No Howard Cosell narrating the game, and obviously I'm losing constantly, and it was my fault. I fucking threw the game. It wasn't that I made a mistake. I threw it. I'm evil somehow, you know what I mean? And I should be punished. <laughs> That's just totally been as if it was never so. Why? Because it was never so. No matter how much enthrallment my mind had on that, it can't make it real. It can only appear real. That's why the solution is a solution, because the problem's imaginary. That's the only way it could be a valuable solution. The problem is imaginary. It's made up. Yeah? It's not the movie, it's the audience. My ability to be an incredible audience made that movie seem so fucking real. And it was so important. Whatever happened was always going to have some kind of reflection on me, constantly. This message, hearing it, that I may not be that, which my mind seems to be fixated on, was the charm. It's when I entertained it, that I may not be that. And there was a suspicion that I wasn't that. The bonding agent that kept that slavery in place, the interest and attention, got dismissed. It didn't go anywhere else. It just got freed from that complete preoccupation with you. Yeah? Because it wasn't me. My interest and attention, I believe, it really has. It's like a homing device. Something about my energy or this energy has, a, has a, uh, an imperative that it goes to whatever you believe is you. It's like the light never leaves that. The interest and attention, though maybe attending and being interested in things, but all those things are just reflecting its real interest in you. Yeah? And if it's a you that you're not, 
then all of its interest and attention is illuminating all the thoughts that reinforce that sense of you, all the feelings that have been interpreted to reinforce that sense of you. And so you're lighting up your own hell in a way. Your interest and attention is bringing it to life. And I couldn't see, with all the practices and all the shots, I couldn't get a relief from it, a long-term relief. No matter how much I meditated or did anything, I didn't produce a relief from it. It was always hovering around, because whatever I came in contact with as me, that me got most of the attention. Even if it was about a practice of not being me, it just fucking showered the me with intention, attention. How am I doing not being me? able to meditate longer than I used to and that will be more of not me if I can do that. More and more, the more attention I put into what was supposed to free me, the more it was feeding the idea of being Paul. I had no idea what was happening. You know? I had to figure it out. It was figured out after it was shifted. Yeah? I could not figure it out while it was gearing. Yeah? Because there was, in my, in my sense, I'm, there was self, and self can't get out of self. No matter how far I went into, into the realm of the system of self, whatever fence I got to, I can never climb over the fence of self. The feeling of climbing over the fence, self would appear on the other side, and there'd be another fence. And if I climb that over, and self can never escape from self. I can't get out of what I'm not in. And if that's honestly seen, a relaxation comes over you. It really does, because your importance and your relevance and your significance and your incredible specialness to be the object of all your attention and interest is seen through. And your slavery is illuminated by interest and attention. Yes? And freedom is illuminated by interest and attention. Yeah. When the interest and attention is freed from being enslaved to promoting you, illuminating all the things that reflect you, when it's freed from that, it illuminates and attends to what you could say is not you. Yeah. And what you would feel is the absence of you is actually the presence of you. Not as the mental idea of you, being something as a body or in a body or having a body. But the absence of that is the presence. Yeah. There's no presence of what, it's just presence. Yes? It's not a quality of something. It's that's that. Yeah. It's like no thing doesn't have qualities of no thing. It's no thing. Yeah. The quality is no thing, and no thing is no thing. Yeah. So the head, its way of knowing things here, can't apply to that. That that modality of head gets turned off somehow. And then the mind, outside that modality, picks up. 
its own like uh, emanation in a way. There's an intimation of of itself. Not for you or as you or by you or to you. All those directions are, have been dismissed. So you're what would always seem to be a direction that you would play a role in looking, you know, a place that you would play a role in getting to, all the directions of having to look a certain way or get to a certain place are dismissed, and the, the inevitability of its everywhereness comes over the mind, yeah. All of those weird assumptions it had somewhat believed in or has a lot of belief in get dismissed. And then it gets pared down to that it's always so at all times. No matter what is appearing or what's not appearing, whatever appears and doesn't appear has no effect on that. Yeah? And to me, nothing here that's appearing as a thing can produce such a reliability. The greatest place to rest is on no thing, not things. Because things come and go. The greatest place to rest is something you cannot possibly know. Everything you know will fail you, but what you possibly cannot know does not fail you. It's strange, eh? I thought if I knew something, I could rely on it. By knowing something, is totally unreliable. Because every time I believe I know something, it's proven that I don't know something. But in the I don't know, I don't know, man, there's a great security in it. And Sunday, Monday, Friday, 2008, 2013, there's no difference in this state. No matter how much the mind wants to cut it up and paste it into different times and places and seasons, they, all, those, all that is like putting scales on a naked snake. Yeah, yeah this is change anything. So the immediacy of the solution, the immediacy and the all access of the solution shows the true nature of the problem that it's imaginary. Yeah? The solution, if entertained, you will have feelings and downloads of no time. It will take no time at all to sense this presence. So, if a problem was real, then you'd have to probably undo it a little bit, and that may would take time. But when the immediacy of the solution demonstrates its timeless quality, you see that the problem is imaginary, because it takes absolutely no time to get out of it. Yeah? If it was real, it would take time to get out of it. Yeah? But it is not real, so there's no time to get out of it. And after a while, you get free samples, that gets intimated to the mind, yeah? The timelessness of the solution. And it just has a very validating ring. And then you start, by having the solution apply here a while, you get an intimation of its own nature by its effects here, yeah? Let's say you had a 40-year story. 40 years, let's say time was like a, a chalkboard that went a long, long way, and your life has been written by it, by the narration of your conditional mind, using the language that you know, English, let's say. Yeah? 
yet you can have a free sample where that whole chalkboard seems to be erased and, and it takes absolutely no time, yeah? All the conditioning and all the knots that kept you as Michelle, some moments is totally, there's no bond at all to Michelle. Michelle is just, phew, and it took absolutely no time, yeah? That's a demonstration of what has been accessed. The swiftness of its effect on the imaginary problem, it's like a cold knife just cutting and it doesn't take any, it doesn't run into any resistance because there's nothing there. And there's a sense of what? And maybe your mind had been hatching and cooking and sitting on this story like a, a mother hen on an egg for years and yet like that. Its effects are totally if you, there's a total, total blatant immunity to all of its effects. How much, how effectual is it then? It's only effectual in the Petri dish it's appearing in, in time, in space, in duality. Yes? The solution is not of this place. That's why it's the solution. <laughs> if it was of this place, it would actually inherently have the qualities of a problem. You would apply it to what you thought the problem was, and then usually the, the solution becomes a bigger problem. It has a problemness of its own. <laughs> Let's say you meditate 13 hours a day, then your knees are shot by the time you're 34 years old. Yeah? <laughs> I hate to say this, but do you ever see some people practice Zen in this country? They look like papyrus. It's chalk white. <laughs> they need to get out in the sun a little bit. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> I know. If you're really not the body, it actually affects the body somewhat. It gives you a little bit of a juice. <laughs> not like you dried up. Sorry, folks. I don't know. I hope I can get that little intimation across. Yeah? The mind wants to play middleman and middlewoman and turn it into an advantage it can have here. Where the clarity of that message is, I'm not of here. Yeah? And if held that way, it has a huge influence here. Not as an advantage for you. Yeah? But a huge influence nonetheless. to the clock, right? Total dualistic experience. Why isn't it just talk, 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 talk? Tick, talk. Tick, talk. 
breath. That right hemisphere of the brain. If you look at people, like we said the other day, look at people on TV, you think it's one face, but if you look, one eye is bigger than the other eye, one eye is droopy. It's like, it's like that guy from uh, Batman, Two-Face. Everyone's, even their face that they're using every time they look at it to signify their unique, independent, separate entity, like unit. One unit has two halves. Sometimes if you took the face and blocked off, the one eye has, doesn't look at all like the other eye. One's droopy, this one's way up here, and yet there's seemingly one face talking to you, representing one person, yet you can see the splitness of everything right there on the face. How can you believe it? <laughs> Let me look at me. Whoa! All right. <laughs> Which one is me? <laughs> Check it out next time. It blows my mind. Look at TV. Look at it. Look at news people and stuff. Watch. Look at their face and just try to separate one and just see. Sometimes it's so different shape. It's like they took two different faces and stuck it together with a seamless little thing here. Yeah? <laughs> you have to see what's happening here. It's, it's unbelievable. The mind in that conditionality has to dream this way. And if I'm the subject, then subjectness has to become an object. It cannot be held any other way. If you're taking yourself to be the subject, it casts subjectivity as an object. So maybe you call it truth or awareness, but it's really made into a thing, yeah? Like awareness. Like where the fuck is awareness? Awareness or consciousness. What the hell does that mean? Consciousness. Yeah? All right, show it to me. Where is it? Yeah. I'm going to, I'm studying consciousness. Oh, yeah. Can I study with you? No. Get away. It's on the table here. Oh, let me look. Wow, it's consciousness. I didn't know it could be so unconscious. So you, the subject, makes everything an object. How are you going to know the truth? The truth is, is you're not the subject as an object. Your subjectivity, but you're not the subject as an object. Yeah? So the subjectivity has been claimed, made into a verb the object's doing, and now you think you're conscious. You think you're aware. And if you believe that you're aware, you'll be, believe you're unaware. And I would imagine most of your story about your life will be that you've been unaware when you really needed to be aware. I wouldn't have married that person if I was really awake that day. What happened now? I'm stuck in this thing for 30 years. If I was only, I should have meditated that morning. It's up to me to be aware. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as what's so becomes a verb you're doing, it can seemingly be not so. Yeah? Yeah? I mean, what spirituality is, is searching for something that the mind has made not so. If you're not identified with that, that mind that made it not so, it's always so. I mean, and it doesn't take time for that to dawn on you. Yeah? 
it takes time to dawn on you as a you. And so it'll be really difficult to convince the you that it's not so. Yeah? That it could possibly be so, because if it's always so, then what arises in it is guilt for not being that which is always so. <laughs> That's why it loves to seek it. Because it gets away from the guilt that's so unbearable to entertain that I am that, and yet I don't want to entertain it. The mind, really, oof, that's the whole root of the Course of Miracles, is the inherent guilt of believing you separated yourself from God. Yeah. Everything else here is just acting that out, trying to blame others and dump it on your idea of you and everything like that. You're just trying to get rid of this guilt of thinking, wow, everything could be beautiful, but my experience is it isn't. And from self-centeredness, the only way you can translate what could be beautiful and it isn't is that you have something to do with it. That's, you cannot escape it. The mind cannot escape its own conditioning. Yeah? If there's self-centeredness and you have the idea or you listen to people, oh, oh it's all love and the eternal light, and, and then you look at fucking what's happening at your own house or people taking, you know, fucking up other people, there's a very, there's like, what is it, cognitive dissonance, I think it's called? It just doesn't match. So somehow, it not matching, you have to have a role in it because you're God, really. You're the big enchilada in your story. So therefore, you must have had something to do with it not being beautiful. And if it's based on the whole world and the whole civilization and every person you've ever heard about, that you're the... It's because of you that people... <laughs> You're not going to be traveling lighter here. <laughs> not with that guilt. <laughs> and you can't get out of it by the system because self-centeredness, in a sense, is like self-replicating. It will always be turned back on you because that's how the mind's seeing everything, how it pertains to you. There's no escape. You can have the most sublime philosophical mojo hojo, but in your gut area, you're going to believe you had something to do with it. There is a solution. That's the great news. the other day and presenting a, the way of looking at it as, you know, knowing what I am. Yes? If I can truly entertain what I am. Yeah? But I don't, that way doesn't work with me. I like to realize what I'm not. Yeah? If I can see what I'm not as what I'm not, that seeing is what I am. Yeah? And, and it's so beautiful because then the seeing is constantly getting reinforced because you're always seeing what you're not. Yeah? So that at that point, the experience called living here is your living scripture because every perception, every sound, every taste, every thought, every feeling is of what I'm not. Yeah? So the seeing which is what brings me the thought, 
and the feelings, yes, is seeing. The seeing of all that, the seeing of all that I'm not, is what I am. So by my seeing what I'm not, I am in the constant verification of what I am. Now, Paul could not say a mantra that many times during a day. Every second of the day, you'd have to be saying a mantra to get somewhat of an effect like that. But all day, you're seeing. All day that you have a day, you're somewhat conscious. So therefore, there's always a seeing of what I'm not. And that seeing of what I'm not is what I am. Yeah? The seeing of what I'm not. So right now, by seeing Deb, it's verifying what I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the way I can see you from that is beautiful. It's a beautiful way to see people. It really is. I can't see you as what you are. I can't. People say sometimes they can. Maybe they can. I don't see that. I think the perceptual rules of the body stay basically those perceptual rules. The way my conscious vision, conditional vision is, I see things. I don't see no thing. I see things when I'm looking. When I'm looking, I see you, a body, and I see a chair. Yeah? I don't believe that, that format of the, of the apparatus changes. But while that's going on, if there can be that understanding that what I'm seeing, yeah, is what I'm not. In other words, I'm, I am what I'm not seeing, yeah. I am, let's say, nothingness, because all I am seeing is things, yeah. The seeing of things intimates what I am, nothingness, yeah. Because I can't know it, yeah. I gotta know it through the back way. I gotta know it by realizing I'm not that. Because I can't ever see it and go, hey, I'm that. Because I am that. I can't get to the experience or the position to see it. Yeah? I can't get into the position where I get introduced to it or meet it. I can't twist it to a point where I'm solidly outside and it's somewhere else and I go, oh, I've seen what I, I've seen my authentic self. I don't believe that's a possibility here. But I can, all day, see what I'm not. And in that seeing what I'm not, it's translated in my life as that's what I am. Is that seeing nothing. Yeah. So all the while there's looking, there's a blanket seeing nothing. Yeah. Looking at something is broken up into a time. Yeah. Time. It takes me time to see. Yeah. But seeing nothing is timeless. So the timelessness is like the weather front, and this is all the daily light clouds on this and that, looking at some things. But the seeing nothing has got the largest effect, yeah? Because interest and attention has been removed from a thing, which frees you from the slavery of looking at things all day, and you can sense the seeing nothing while there's the looking at things. Yeah. It's like mind being, is being reminded of its own quality. Maybe it'll take you hundreds of repetitions, maybe one invitation, one message. Yeah? But once it gets the idea, hey, I'm not that, then it gets it gets opens up to the sense of being what it is. 
for me, the emphasis on presence is that little activity of mind getting more interested in what it is, which is the presence of this is this absence. Yeah. Where before the same interest and attention was totally engaged in this presence, which caused its own nature to be absent to it. Yeah. It's just shifted. That's all. And you don't lose out being absent. You actually gain. I mean, you're a giant interface for tons of experiences. Yeah. The body. It's just like it's like you know the party was really great until you get there. This is like that. The party is right, always right where you are, but when you arrive, it sucks. But the fact is, you never left the party, so there's no need for you to arrive. There's no need for you to get into the moment. There's just a recognition you can't be out of the moment. That's how it works with me, yeah? You just, the mind has gotten to a point, it cannot possibly entertain that it could ever be out of this moment. And that's, it's surrender to being in the moment. Yeah? Because there's no possibility it could ever be out of the moment. So all of its act trying to get into the moment would verify the belief of being out of it has been... It can't be out of it, so that's how it's really in. Yeah? If you believe you can be out of the moment, then it's going to be up to your head playing God if you're in or out. Yeah? And it'll tell you, oh, you're in and you're out. It's like... And it has no... No, it doesn't have any qualifications to be an authority. <laughs> and yet, yet you take it to be an authority. Oh, I'd better go home and read this. <laughs> I feel really out of it today. <laughs> I really feel in it today. <laughs> if you saw the video of the day, you, you look just as much in today as you did yesterday, bro. No, I was really out of it yesterday. <laughs> Let's look at that tape again. Roll that tape. You know, it looks like you're in it. No, I was really out of it. You don't understand. I was totally gone yesterday. No. <laughs> I don't care what you say. I was out of it. Okay. Go ahead. You like it that way? Go ahead. What next happens? I got to get back in. <laughs> or the worst is that you take the, be the blame for why you're out of it. Then you ex get exiled to what's called out of it up in your mental realm. Your mind gets totally invested in that story that you're out of it, and it builds an identity about uh, being someone that's always out of the moment. It's fucking incredible. Totally made up from top to bottom. Yeah. You've even given up the hope of ever getting back in a moment. <laughs> You're just adamantly just resigned to being out of the moment all the time. Yeah? It's incredible, isn't it? Fuck. How can you have freedom from an imaginary bondage? You cannot fucking have it. You'll have experiences of what you call free, but you'll always be bound over and over again. Yeah? The real solution, like a lot of people say, is to realize there was never anyone to be bound. Therefore, there's no need to be liberated. You don't have any need to be liberated. Yes? It works. I like it that way. Because it doesn't take... Getting in the front door, 
produces too much confusion for me because I don't care how much I hear about the truth, it's me hearing about the truth. As soon as I hear about the truth, the truth becomes a thing, yeah? And I'll think I know the truth a lot of times, but then I won't know the truth a lot of times. But if I go the back way, I'm not that which thinks it needs to know the truth. That's the truth to me, is that I'm not that. And then that just becomes, it gets revealed more and more by a method called finding out from the state of I don't know. The state of I don't know sets you right up to find out. And you will find out. Things will download and there will be knowledge will be transmitted from that to this place. And you'll start seeing it take fruit here. Yeah, Almost like a wave will be produced and then over a couple months of time you'll see that wave slowly build and then crash on your shore of manifestation and then you'll see the sense of why it came from and then another wave will kick in and more downloads and you'll start intimating that which cannot be seen, heard, felt, tasted, touched or thought of, you'll start intimating its presence you'll see its movement like a wind you never can see the wind but you see its effects on leaves yeah so you get a sense of the wind by what it's affecting as it's blowing through. Similar way for me, yeah? You get an intimation of something that can't be seen by its influence here. Yeah? You can see someone who seemingly was all lost for, forever and now has been redeemed. The impossibility of someone's life that was going like this and then not even having a crash and going up again. It defies all laws of physics. It's people in recovery. You can see, you can see the dualistic painting of a, a manifested world of someone who's a down and out addict and then becoming recovered. Yeah? I mean, what an extreme transformation. From one end of the social spectrum, totally fucked up and living at soup kitchens or anything, to another, being having a family and responsible, this and that. But if there's an identification as that, that arc may not be able to fully because there'll be a resistance because it wants to know I'm fucked. I never deserve anything. This is that, yes? In the same way, if it arrives here and identifies as that, it has the potential to go back. <laughs> you can't get out of the swing, yeah? If you identify with one teeter, then the tata becomes relevant, yes? It's got to be a sense of, I'm not that, nor that, yes? I'm now, I am not Paul now because it's going well. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is the real Paul. No, there isn't any real Paul, yeah? <laughs> it's, this is what I've been waiting for. The authentic Paul finally showed up, and everything got great. Again, you would be relevant. You would be the fucking God of your story once again. See, everything was terrible until my authentic Paul came to the rescue. All the false Pauls, yes, they're all gone. Now, the authentic Paul, let me help you. Let me, let me help you. <laughs> no, no, no. I was not one nor the other. Yeah. All we are are like bugles being played. Yeah. All we are are instruments of expression. Yeah. There's no name on, on the trumpet. It's just what's blowing through it. I'm taken over by alcoholism. 
a certain life is going to be expressed. If I'm taken over by something other than alcoholism, you want to call it grace or whatever, then that same trumpet can play a beautiful ballad. Yeah. So, you've all been introduced to the idea. Some have been with very cool people. So it's all inevitable. It's just going to keep seeping through and dying everything that needs to be died out. Yeah? And there's no rush because when it's it's always so and this will dawn on you sooner or later and whenever it does it will be like it never was any other way before. It wasn't like you haven't, you've been waiting for anything or longing for anything. All that goes totally out the window. Yeah? It's like all the idea of your relevance to this message is gone because you weren't delaying it. You weren't, it was just, this is, a, this is an expression translated in time. Yes? What's expressing itself is timeless. Whenever it dawns on you is the timelessness of the event. All the time that seemed to have been held by memory that was coming before that is shown to be pointless. It had no meaning whatsoever. Your relevance, you have not kept yourself from this, nor are you moving yourself towards it. When it dawns, it really dawns, it's like it, there was no time that it never had not dawned. Yeah? All the story of you lost in the, in the woods or whatever, lost in the wilderness is just it's all it's all selfing on a fucking grand scale. Yeah? Just constantly tuning your own horn of relevance. Like you kept yourself from somewhere. I, if I would have only listened when they gave the secret handshake that night. What was I doing? Probably something selfish. Usually sex, maybe. Sex is what kept me. You know, you watch. We watch all the horror movies. The, the teenagers always get killed just when they're having sex or before. You know what I mean? What conditioning? Yeah, you're going to have some fun. <laughs> I can't believe this shit in this place. I mean, the things that seem so natural, they, they turn it into such artificiality. You know? You don't even know what... You're constantly looking to get permission to do what something's just drawing you, drawing you to do. I think constantly about it. Fuck, it's incredible. You know what I mean? Shit. It's like, you know, maybe you have to take a shit, and maybe you sit down, and maybe the event takes like 30 seconds. But then you add 40 minutes of why you should be taking the shit. I shouldn't shit. <laughs> I mean, everything. Walk in a room. Who's in the room? Did they see me? Ooh, is my zipper down? my pants too short? Oh, oh, someone I really wanted to be here isn't here. Like, how unusual. The one person I really wanted to meet tonight isn't here. <laughs> I always want something I don't have. Why is that? And exactly, there's things I want so much when I don't have them. When I have them, I don't seem to want them. Wait a minute, that seems like a very... How does that go over our head? How does that little mental activity go out of our head. You really want what you don't have a lot of time. And then you have the same thing that you've been wanting like crazy, and you're bored of it in a couple of days. How do we forget and jump on the same horse again? And so, you know, get to the mythical there from here, 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 something, something, something. There. When I get there, man, it's going to be the greatest here. Here, no, no, no. There. 
and we get there, it turns into here. There, next there. Next oasis, spirituality, all of it. It's the same, same format. It's the same pattern, just done in different formats. You like different game boards. The same game, you know, Monopoly, Risk, all that, but at different boards. I'm on the noble board of spirituality. Yes. So much, oh, it's so, so, it's got so much meaning. Not Monopoly, that's money and power, but it's spirituality. Yes. I slow, my pace is slow. But you're at this one. No, I know. And I'm, planning for the, I'm planning for the next one. Because I know, conceptually, this has been so good for me, even though I haven't been here most of the time. I kind of go for a month. Yes. All, I keep, all I keep thinking about is the next retreat. <laughs> and then what happens? You go to the next retreat. Just a longer one. All right, go to the longer one. And they're going to mix tantra. Now they're incredible. Now they mix every fucking possible thing. Let's have macrobiotic cooking classes, some tantric sex, <laughs> meditate, walk, get massaged, some therapy. Fuck, Jesus Christ. Nothing seems to work. <laughs> it's just, we can't break this fucking egg. We tried everything. Eastern, Western, fucking, you know, what, the Pleiadian book, Urantia. I can bring them from other constellations, it still doesn't work. <laughs> All we can pray for is the mothership. If they take us away, but wherever we go, we're going to bring ourselves. That's so why I say you drop an alcoholic into heaven, it'll be hell in a day. <laughs> you know? It's not what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's so crazy, man. What? <laughs> let me do a resentment on over heaven. Fucking heaven. You really let me down. I like to talk to God. Where is he? Fucking resent him too. <laughs> and the angels, they suck also. I should have stayed with Satan. Besides having more fun with Satan. Who convinced me to come up here? <laughs> and I'll look good in white. Black, yeah. <laughs> Have a soul patch down there. <laughs> the one thing we don't usually receive is nothing. Be a nice way to go. See what happens with nothing. Yeah? If you could really receive nothing, it's really something. It. And you'll see all your considerations and requirements and all your conditional beliefs will come up. Yet they will have no uh, in this in this light light outshines the phantom, you know. In darkness the phantom seems to have light, yeah. But in this light you see the phantom of all these old ideas and requirements and considerations. All these made up blocks. Yeah, to make freedom into a form of bondage. So, yes. I keep thinking I'm done, and now I got fucking rejuvenated, but I missed most of it anyway. Sorry, you missed an incredibly juicy bond. But only the private viewers can have it. That's right. This is you have to subscribe to this by coming here.
God forbid. Take a chance and come live. Yeah. No. <laughs> but you see, in a sense, how much weight we give to thickness, yeah, let's give it that same weight, but to another calibration of no thickness, and call the awareness, yes, as no thingness, not of no thingness, as, as no thingness, that awareness as a huge body with no parameters, no definitions, no beginning or end, yes? And yet all the value of things just pales in comparison to it, it as no thing, and yet it allows all the things to appear in and of itself. Why? Because it's not a thing. There's no conflict in anything with it because it's not of thingness. It's no thingness. So it allows everything to appear in it. And it's not, there's no conflict between thing and thing because its quality is not of thing. So it has to be the mother and father of all things. No thing could beget all other things. It has to be no thing, not no thing. Not one thing could beget all other things. No thing is the begetter of all things. It allows everything to appear. So if the eyes could see, it has more substance than anything. The heaviest mountain or the tallest building and all the weight it would have, this has more weight to it than any of that which appears in it. Yeah. If the eye would just be recalibrated back to another way of seeing, which is its innate way of seeing nothing. Yeah. So it's like the biggest enchilada that has no filling, in a sense. Where are all the filling of the enchilada? Where are all the beans and the sour cream and the rice? Yeah. And, of course, all our, our connections produce the gas of this fucking narrative. <laughs> when that burrito's eaten... This is what we hear. That's what happens. All the yapping up here is like mind gas. It's like a giant mind fart. <laughs> but in that space, yes. Why is this this seen as nothing? It's an amazing judgment already in place. We never came with that up with that idea. The formatted version of an action figure doesn't see nothing. It sees things. Yeah? So obvious from its basic modus operandi, things have value, no thing doesn't. Yeah? Yet no thing... No thing's value outweighs... You could have the, the largest mass of quantity of some things in this world, and no thing brings much more value than all the somethings that have ever been acquired. If you want to call experiences somethings, all the somethings that you, as a body, have acquired, all the thoughts you've claimed, all the feelings you thought you had, all the experiences that you call yours, all the time that you call your time, all of that cannot even get close to the value of nothing. You can collect as much something as you want, and it's nothing compared to nothing. I'm going to turn this off.